What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. I am super pumped. I've got Brian Hennessy on the podcast. Brian's the founder of Squat Max and the Henny, which is the Henny attachment. A lot of you guys might have seen on my personal fitness blog, the Respect the Tempo. Um, I took it out to Marcus Philly, and we played around with it there. And I've, I've been a real big fan of what Brian's been doing ever since I came across his equipment during COVID as I started researching outside-the-box fitness equipment that people didn't traditionally talk about at scale. And then I listened to your podcast on Mark Bell's podcast, and I absolutely loved your backstory. So it was just always like, man, it would be cool to talk with this guy one day. So I'm really excited I'm actually getting to do this. So, Brian, thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, I appreciate this opportunity and 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 everything you do. I think we were talking we were talking a little bit before the meeting. I'm a small gym owner uh, by day, so I wish I had had come across you a few years ago because I, you know, that, that, that's been my biggest challenge is when I opened up my gym. Is I, ha- you know, I had a good program. I, I knew I could train athletes, but the business the business side of it, you know, the everything that goes into it. It isn't just show up and train people. There's so much more involved. Oh God. I wish it was that easy. Right. I wish it was that easy. Well, Brian, real quick, give everyone a, a little background. You know, obviously I'm familiar with your story, you know, from the NFL and some of the issues you had there from a, you know, from a training perspective and, and stuff like that. And then kind of what led you to the evolution of creating, which I am so impressed. Like I can't, I'm not an, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a product guy. I re, I love guys who are product guys though. I don't have that. My brain doesn't work. I'm a service guy. So whenever I see someone who's designed products and gotten them out there at scale, it just, it blows me away. So you just give everyone kind of, you know, we'll take three, five minutes, kind of give them the backstory and uh, how you got into product design. And we got the squat max and the Henny attachment. Okay. Uh, um, long story short is probably the, the best time of my life was when, when I was, when I was an athlete. My, my dream as a kid was to, to play to play in the pros to make it to the NFL. But as a you know five nine uh, short white guy who played running back, you know it, it was going to be a challenge. I, I like to tell people I, I wasn't blue chip. I just had a big chip on my on my shoulders, so to speak. So fortunately, we're all we're all molded by our, our experiences in life. Um, I, I grew up in Philadelphia. And thank God for the Rocky movies. Uh, you know, <laughs> having been born in 1969, um, you know, the, the 70s was a perfect time. Uh, you know, when when Rocky one came out and living in Philadelphia, um, so that that really was a big, believe it or not, a big catalyst for me to get into training. And and even though we all know it's now, it's it, you know, it's a Hollywood story. Just have an inspiration where someone could actually, you, you know, have no no business you know, becoming a pro athlete could actually achieve it. Um, that That's basically, you know, when I made it to the NFL, I was frequently referred to as Rudy um, because that was a big movie in, in 94 when I, when I finally got my shot with the Arizona Cardinals. But I like to tell people Rudy wasn't squatting 700 pounds. Rudy wasn't bench pressing 400 pounds, motherfuckers. So <laughs> I, I always consider myself, Rocky, you know, I, when when I finally got my chance to make it to the NFL, you know, I was in a fist fight every day because Buddy Ryan was the coach. You know, if I, I so, but to get back to my 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 how this all how I got to where I am today, um, my grandfather was a professional boxer. I grew up in a, a blue collar part of Philadelphia, and um, you know, I didn't know him too well. You know, he fought in the 30s, uh, 
but I, I had actually, as a kid, they would always say T Tony was his, was his name. Tony could have been a great fighter, but he, he, he never trained. He, he, he would drink more than he would train. So that, that kind of locked, like I said, we're molded by experiences. So the combination of things is I'm like training. I, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to take what God gave me and actually try to, to maximize it. Um, as, as a kid, uh, you know, I started playing football at five years old. I saw that as my chance, to, you know, to get, get out of the neighborhood type deal. But unfortunately, being a neighborhood punk that I was, uh, I was hit by a car. I, 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 you know, went on a joy ride on um, the, the paper boy's bike. And, and God, God, my, my mom used to say, God punished you for that one. Of course, I was messing around on his bike, giving him a little hard time. And I was hit by a car. And, so and, you and, jack the paper boy's bike, you yeah, take yeah, off yeah, on yeah. it, and a car fucking hits you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, God <laughs> yeah, that's karma. That. That's karma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that I didn't know it at the time, but that was the beginning of back problems, low, low back problems. I tell people all the time in the seventies. That's a seventy-seven Chrome Buick hitting me. That wasn't the, the, these little hybrid Priuses. I probably would have got up and and kept riding, but. You probably would have dented the Prius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. But yeah, so the back problem, if you just put that to the side, that, that would be when we start talking about why I patented certain devices, why I did certain things, uh, you know, that same thing, we're molded by our experiences. So, I, you know, I would go on and, you know, play high school football and, you know, I, I was a fitness fanatic. I, I, I would, besides lifting weights and doing the traditional stuff, my family was a family of roofers, and I had no I had no desire to be a roofer for my for the rest of my life. But I would do crazy things. There's legendary talk of, of in my neighborhood. I I would I would carry three or four bundles on one shoulder, and you know bundles about 75, 80 pounds. So 300 pounds on one shoulder up a ladder. So you know training, training, training. But the low back would always would always show up. It was not not so frequently, but in high school, start junior, senior year, it would start to show up. And I would actually get uh, cortisone injections in the guidance counselor's office in my yes. high school so I could play <laughs> so I could play on Saturday. So not, this wasn't every Saturday, but just to give, give you some of that, of the future of how my back would show up, my back injury would show up at the wrong times. Um, but yeah, so I would, I ended up getting, a, you know, a, a college scholarship to Bucknell, which is more of an academic type school, uh, which I was thrilled with. I was the uh, the first person in my family to be able to go to college. So I have no regrets for football. Uh, as, as we talk, you know, it, it gave me a chance to, it's a division one double A school, more of an Ivy League type school. But I still had that dream that I was as good as anyone. Uh, so I, at Bucknell, I would end up the old time leading rusher in the school. Um, and, you know, I had hoped that maybe some some scouts would come see me, but uh, even you know Bucknell's so small, and we were we were actually one and nine my senior year, so no, no no scout was knocking at you know knocking down the door to to give me a tryout. So m most people, you know, I, I I was a bio major. Uh, you know, most people would go on with their life and and get a job, which I did. Uh, you know, I I I I I went in and I started doing clinical research as a clinical scientist. Um, but in my heart of heart, I still wanted to get that tryout. So continued to lift, continued to train. Uh, sometimes there were, um, 
free agent tryouts. You know, sometimes there were money grabs. They weren't really coaches were there, but I would trying to do everything that I could to get a tryout. Um, three, I finished my last football season was 91. So in, in approaching 94, you know, it didn't seem like I was going to get a tryout. I've been, you know, almost three years removed, but, you know, still, still ch chasing a dream, you know, you know, w working out like a madman. I would sometimes travel four or five days a week in, in my, in my role. And this wasn't like nice travel. This was literally Seattle one day, San Diego, or Los Angeles. So I was, you know, I was on a plane constantly. So how, how hard is it to stay in shape? Yeah. Uh, you can imagine, right? Um, so, I, you know, I was the guy that I had a hotel room with other business people. A poor lady would walk out of her hotel room and there would be some nut doing 20 yard dashes in the hallway in the middle of a hotel or, or you know, sneaking in the weight room. I remember being stuck in Chicago on a, on a, um, on a flight that was delayed because of a thunderstorm, like two, three hours on the runway. And I'm going nuts because I didn't get my workout in uh, because I was so delayed. And this back then it was a little bit more casual before 9-11, but the stewardess allowed me to, she would shut the curtain and I must have did a thousand push-ups on the plane that was on the runway waiting to take off for a few hours. So that that's the kind of the kind of drive it. that I had. And and my training was unique. Um, maybe, I don't know how much we're going to get into my training, but because I had the back problems, obviously some years I couldn't back squat. I couldn't do some of the traditional lifting. Uh, so I was forced to use a lot of hammer strength machines, a lot of, and I really noticed the difference when I, when I could train free weights and, and do what I wanted to do, uh, like, um, I was a different animal. I, you know, my vertical jump would be 37 inches when I was training the way I wanted to, you know, five nine two twenty. Then the years when I was locked into machines and, and doing yeah, things. when you're in a seated position yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. couldn't I'll, use I'll, your whole body. Yep, exactly. So anyway, I I threw a lot of things into the equation that most people didn't like step ups. I'm a very step up centric, uh, and as we talk about why I opened up my gym, I I had my own system that I created that, you know, relative body strength, even like the ability, people think, think I'm crazy, but I knew that some of the white running backs at Bucknell didn't get athletic or more athletic over the four years. They were benching 400 pounds too. They were doing certain things, but there were certain things I threw in the equation, relative body strength being one of them, you know, I, I would do 20, 20, 25 pull-ups. I knew there was something to that, like maximum strength is, is one thing, but there, there, there's certain things, even, even lateral movement, certain things that I did. Uh, I tell the story, people think I'm crazy. I, I got really good. I, I was a pretty good cutter and I, I, I grew up in the city and I was often trying to get away from getting my ass kicked by, I, I, I would run around a parked car. Uh, so, so even, even certain things like when I opened up my gym, uh, which I'll talk about shortly, I would have kids literally chase each other around you know, I create a certain, you know, you know, big circle. Yeah. And have run around that and have to hug the sound. Yeah. Hug the yeah. edge. And even things when I finally got into fitness, I saw a lot of speed ladders. I knew from certain things that I did step ups, like I would, you had to have dorsiflexion. Like everyone's into feet and all this stuff. I'm like, well, that's why if you think of a step up, 
if you step up and on a box, you got dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, you got everything in one exercise. You're on a single leg, so you're working that lateral. Muscle. I want to nerd out on this. I want to nerd out on the yeah. step up. All right. So talk to me about so from a step up perspective at your five nine, what height box would be ideal for you? Are you looking for the crease of the hip when you're all the way down to be at a certain height of the knee? What what was kind of your mechanics and your like kind of math when you were thinking of setting the height for somebody? That's a great question. I, it, it it would vary, um, you know. Eighteen inches would be the ideal the ideal height for me. You know, I have, I have short legs, but but if I'm trying to work maximum, like to be as fast as I can stepping up on that box, it would be fifteen inches. Yeah, and, and I would hold you know two dumbbells because it did. You know, when you're I did do everything under the sun. I still do step ups, or we did step ups with barbell, but. If I'm working, trying to get maximum acceleration, you know, I'm going to hold two dumbbells because I can step faster. You know, I'm not, I'm not impeded by trying to balance something on my shoulders. But in certain parts of the step up, it would be more for stability, where you know we we may leave our foot planted and and drive our knee through and 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 have have more of a suitcase carry. Yeah. Just so there there was different variations depending where I was in in the cycle you know, depending where I need it. But since I'm talking so much, let me fast forward this. Um, so, cause I, I, I don't want to spend too much time trying to tell you my background, but long story short, getting back to, I was three years out of, of, of football. People said, you got to move on with your life, son. What, what the hell are you doing? I said, fuck you all. Uh, fortunately, buddy Ryan got hired in Arizona, you know, um, and he had coached in Philadelphia where I'm from. So I knew his, I knew his personality. Like he was a different breed. He's a guy, if I could get an audience with him, he may actually look at film at me or work me out. So I sent faxes and faxes to Arizona. He, he was hired in probably um, October, November of 93. And I was trying to get an audience with him. You know, how are you going to get an a guy? Sure. You know, you faxes. So I said, screw it. I'm going to fly out to Arizona, you know, and, and camp, camp on his doorstep and, you know, see if, see if I can get a tryout with him. But the story got a lot of national attention. I, I needed to know he was actually in town because there's, there's, there's off season meetings, different things. So I, I pretended I was a federal with federal express and I had a person, person delivery, which was the thing back then where, where, you know, the coach would sign off. So fortunately the, the, the secretary, whoever I talked to, I knew he was going to be in town Deception was so much easier back then. If you ever yeah, yeah. had to pull some shit off back then compared yeah, to yeah, now, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. so now you much don't have a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely easier to be a stalker, yeah. um, <laughs> even from from the camera. So yeah, you know, I, I flew out there and literally sat in the parking lot, sat in the lobby for for a couple of days. Um, at one point, you know, obviously you think they're going to call the police. Um, the, the the way I got my in, I, I didn't have this, this, you know, I had to adjust when you're going out there, you don't know how it's going to go. But uh, fortunately, I didn't even think about it. I must have been looking. There was no there was no Internet. I don't think I don't think I could look up online. But somehow I remembered Ronnie Jones, uh, who, who was hired as the defensive coordinator. I remember he knew my strength coach at Bucknell. Uh, my my, my first, Bucknell didn't have a total strength program, but Jeff Connors, his he became a an elite strength coach in North Carolina, East Carolina. He, he's a he's a well known guy has has a few books. But his first gig was at 
lowly Bucknell in Pennsylvania. I somehow I remembered that he knew Ronnie Jones because Ronnie Jones started as a strength coach. He was a strength coach with the Eagles before he became a defensive coordinator. So I'm like, let me ask for Ronnie Jones because I'm not going to probably get to see Buddy the way this is going. Um, so Ronnie came out amazingly, and 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 I had game film with me, and I said, Ronnie, I wouldn't waste your time. I know Jeff Connors, um, you know, and Jeff Connors is a crazy strength coach. He's a kind of guy that when he got mad at me, he would smash mirrors type type guy. <laughs> Uh, in the weight room, uh, I said, you know, feel free to, you know, ask Jeff Connors about me. I, I know I can I can play at this level. So Jeff talked to me, uh, probably said, this fucking guy's nuts. Took my game film, though. This might have been a Thursday. I'm not sure what day it was. He's like, come back tomorrow. I'll see if I can get, you know, our running back coach to look at it or someone look at it. I don't know what happened. He probably called Jeff and said, hey, Jeff this crazy motherfucker sitting in our lobby says he knows you, blah, blah, blah. And thank God for Jeff Connors, my strength coach from Bucknell. He, he could have said, you know, forget that guy. He stinks. He said, Brian had, has some physical attributes. I don't know if he still has them three years removed from football, but it might be worth taking a look at him if you think the film looks decent. So I came back on Friday sitting in the lobby uh, this is how this ever happened. However, pulled this off. I'll never know. But first of all, Buddy Ryan comes walking in that morning, and my dumbass has this big speech rehearsed, and he just walks on by, walks on by me. And it's probably a good thing because if I had jumped Buddy Ryan in the hallway, he probably said, "Get this kid out of here." You know, he don't want some dude jumping in his face when he's why. So at the last minute, why did you decide not to spit your speech and do what you had planned to do? I guess I choked. <laughs> but, Which it, but, yeah. but it seems like it obviously worked out though at the end though. Well, that, that's the funny thing because he went in his office. Ten minutes later, the reception said, "Hey, Buddy Ryan wants to see you." So, so it, it's probably good that I didn't. You know, yeah. he, you know, he he's a Korean War vet. Like, there's a certain protocol. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, is this really happening? So I went back to his office, and I'm thinking he's going to say. You know, I had tried to get a tryout with the Eagles and other people, and they would always say, you can't upgrade us, kid. So I'm figuring he's going to say the same thing. But he, I walk into his office. He said, what what brings you here, son? Uh, and, it, you know, I tell people, if, if you think your heart's coming through your chest, th th this is what that felt like. I said, you know, buddy, I, I know I can play in this league. I said, uh, you know, I, 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 can, I know I can play running back. I said, whatever it takes, if, if you want me to go down on the kickoffs, and rip someone's head off in your honor, I'm your guy. Uh, and he loved this stuff. And he's like, well, I looked at your film last night, and, and I think you can actually play in this league. I'm like, is this really happening? He's like, I, I, want, I asked my coaches to take you out and time you in a 40-yard dash. So, holy shit, I'm, I'm, I'm three years removed from football. I'm actually going to get – I'm getting a tryout here, right? I have, I, I'm, I'm a guy from Bucknell, hasn't played football in three years. How is this happening? So – I, I end up doing well in a tryout running in, you know, in, in the forties, in the four or fives, you know, they, they had grass, pretty fast grass out there and whatever they saw athletically, they saw enough to sign me to a contract. You know, this NFL contract means nothing, sure. but the contract is a chance 
I may actually get. But it, it's validation of the constant perseverance and not giving up on you know not giving up on it and showing up and and taking you know uh, a prayer and a you know a hope flight out there to run into him. It's it's a it's a dope story. It's it's you know it's a that's like an ESPN thirty for thirty. Yeah, if, if you get a chance, there's a lot of shit floating around there. CNN pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ESPN too. Um, you know, it, it became such a national story because. Um, fortunately he signed me this was like February so I was able to come and practice with the team so I didn't just show up at camp you know I was I was able to have get that acclimation period February March but you know I'm going live in these practices you know full speed and the veterans they're like this motherfucker when we get to camp and we actually get the pads on they're gonna beat my ass right yeah so I, I got a lot of respect and uh, it just was a magical I, I don't know if I could ever pull it off again somehow the first preseason game, you know, there was a lot going on camp because I was actually doing some good things, running people over, uh, pulling some shit out of my ass, like grab, making catches that I don't have that good of hands. But um, th I, there's a lot of backs. There's a lot of story behind it. Like my brother passed away a couple weeks before camp. I don't want. I know we want to get into my my patents, but long story short is first preseason game against San Francisco. Rudy, as my name, you know, it, it was growing the story. People were starting to pick up on this. How, how's this kid not cut yet? Crazy Buddy Ryan puts me in in the first quarter of the first preseason game, and I get like 10 carries at 80 yards, you know, breaking tackles. There, there's some highlights on, on yeah. if you do, if you search Ryan Hennessy, CNN. It, you don't know how this all happened, right? So amazing story. Somehow I make the team. Um, I, I, I suit up against the, the, the Los Angeles um what the hell were they called? I guess they're the Rams. I don't even know. It's all running together. Uh, the Rams, the first game, I'm in on a two-point conversion. And there's always – I always would do amazing things, and I've had a lot of bad luck along the way. Um, first pre, first game of the season, I, I'm on the opening day roster in meaningful two-point conversion. I, I get back to um, back to Arizona. We lost the game, unfortunately. Um and I find out that my dad, I get a call that my dad's dying, has congestive heart failure. He's probably not going to be alive when I get home. So I finally live my dream of making this team. And I got to go to Buddy Ryan and say, Buddy, I appreciate this opportunity, but I need to leave the team. So amazingly, he un he understood this and he um, he um, let, let me leave the team. He said, when you're ready to come back, let me know. I'll put you on the practice squad. So fortunately, my dad actually survived and I came back to the team, you know, a week or two later and I went on the practice squad um, for like four or five, six weeks. I don't know what it was, but I, I, I was hungry to get a chance. We were struggling a little bit. So I, made, I arranged another meeting with Buddy. I said, Buddy, that we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on, on Sunday night football. That was a big thing, TNT, Sunday night football. He said, uh, I said, Buddy, I know I can help this team. Let, let me activate me. Let me run down on kickoffs. I want to fucking hit somebody, whatever I said. He's like, I got something better. You're going to return kickoffs. <laughs> so I'm like, how the hell is this happening? I didn't even return kickoffs in high school or college because my hands aren't that great. So I'm like, holy shit, how does this happen? And I'm thrilled to anything I can do. Like I'm actually getting activated again, but I'm returning kickoffs. So this is like on a, on a, cause you're off on Mondays. He told me Monday night was when we had a meeting. Uh, so I'm like, I got to catch a thousand kickoffs this week. Yeah. I was I gonna say, you probably called one yeah. of the kickers and the coaches. You're like, I'm living at the stadium, catching these fucking things. You, 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 you nailed it. 
And that's how I am, right? Here's my luck, though. It's Wednesday. And and the poor kicker, Greg Davis, he, he was a stud, you know, trying to help me out. He's like, Brian, my fucking leg's going to fall off. I, <laughs> I got a kick in the game. And I'm like, I know I'll do fine when I catch when I ca- I run with it fine because I was a pretty good running back. Wednesday, I catch a kickoff and I'm going, not, I, I, stupidly, instead of just catching him, I would catch him go 100 miles per hour. My back goes out. The worst, you, you never, like when my back went out, I couldn't walk. Like the, the spasm, the, you know, because there was a bunch of herniated discs. I'm fucked. My chance, I get activated. Uh, so I, I'm fine looking for chiropractors in my apartment complex. How, how uh, Somehow I arranged, I found a doctor. I got an epidural. Uh, like what they give pregnant women. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't even walk. I don't know how. I actually did pretty well against the Steelers. That I, I earned, and we won the game. It was a big story. But between you and I, I don't know how I did it because I literally could not walk. Like when my back was in spasm, and you know, I had, I had one return. It was like thirty-five yards. Almost took it. To, I probably got caught from behind, but almost took it to the house. Uh, and then I was activated again to play. You know, the following week we were playing Philadelphia in my hometown. In, in veteran stadiums. So the back, the back, you know, eventually got real bad that season. And, you know, so anyway. So the back is what, the back injury takes you out of the NFL. But that's, I mean, when you think about a belt squat, like had you back then, were there belt squats? Were you using belt squats? No, no. And and, and that, I guess we can fast forward. I, I ended up playing for the Cardinals and then I was good enough that there was enough game film in me. I signed, I signed with the Eagles. The following year, it, having so much, my, my brother passed away, my dad's health problems. I should have, would have, should have, could have, and a buddy was willing to give me a, another tryout. I said, let me go home to Philadelphia because um, Ray Rhodes had just been hired. But I, I, saw he, I thought he was another tough guy, but he did. He came from San Francisco where they only practiced in, in shorts. There was no hitting. So as a free agent, they didn't give me one carry in the preseason because of um, – whatever it is. So it blew it, it didn't work out for me. I ended up getting released. Um, so I moved on with my life. You know, I, I had two, you know, two, two NFL camps. I, I, you know, I, pl- I played that one NFL season, you know, I got the recruit season. Um, so I, I, yeah, I wasn't going to go try Canada and different places because I knew the back, the, the back had gotten to a point where it was always going to be a, you know, a, a, a show. Factor. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, um, so I went back into the pharmaceutical industry uh, as a clinical scientist. Did real well for about 16 years um, and, and had made it to a senior director at, at a, a Fortune 500 company, uh, Wyeth, which became Pfizer. Still crazy. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, um, I did some crazy. I did well in the pharmaceutical industry, but I, I was always a caged animal. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, impulse control, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, I had a kid racing kids in the hall, racing people reporting to me in the hallway. I won't get into my whole industry because I want to fast forward and get, get to the, the meat of what we wanted to talk about. But I, I definitely have some, some, you know, I started playing football at five years old, getting hit by cars. I have, I've had CTE symptoms since my, um, my early thirties. And, and now I'm in my fifties. My, my executive function was getting funky. Um, if, you know, I had like nine or 10 people reporting to me. So in 2000, Probably 2010, 11. I told my wife, "Listen, um, she's doing real well. She, she's a, she's a PhD in the industry. We had two kids. My daughter was seven or eight. I said my midlife crisis, hun, is 
before I kill somebody or throw somebody through a through a cube, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up a gym. I'm gonna open up a gym to train athletes. You know, my daughter was only eight years old, but it, and my son was six. I said, even if it's complete failure, it's a chance that I'll be able to work with my own kids. Um, so I'm gonna open up a gym. Um, you know, no one knew of me, so I can't count on my story. So I randomly just opened up a gym in 2010, and I wanted to see. I we, we what was the name of the gym? Overachieved Sports and Speed. Got it. Um, so the um, the the premise being, I had a system that worked for me that got me faster. That I wanted to see. I had just you know, I knew like you said earlier, it's more than burpees. It's more than traditional lifting. I had something that would later be called S-Max. It's called the speed maximization algorithm. So I, I had pieced together my 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 story, relative body strength, single leg training, you know, squatting to a certain number, not not chasing four times your, your body weight, you know. So I had I had five or six uh, checkpoints that that I would do in a baseline visit. Yeah, I wanted to see if it worked for other kids. Long story short. This gym had, had had some really good success, um, and I'll talk about it. I've become kind of an absentee owner at this point because I, the the equipment and everything that I've moved on. But this this gym opened in 2010. By 2017, 2018, I guess we had 500 athletes come through my gym that went on to play Division One athletics. Five or six make it to the pros. You know, kids that started with me in eighth grade that would now be uh, pro baseball players that were still coming back to me eight eight years in, into when they started the gym. You know, a couple of pro athletes, you know, the Raul Bainez, who I always, he's kind of the poster boy for squat max. He came into my gym in 2012 and everyone said he was done. The Phillies had released him and he was 40 years old, you know, pushing 40 years old. Sure. And, and you know, I did my, I did my speed ma maximization algorithm. I said, Dude, you got plenty of strength. You can trap our 600 pounds, but you can you only can do two pull-ups. Your 20-yard dash, you're slow as a schoolgirl, and because he's an outfielder, I'm like, I can get you faster, more explosive. And uh, long story short, he went he went off for the New York Yankees, and then he stayed with me for you know an, you know into that 2013. Ended up tying a major league record for most home runs, for uh, 29 home runs for a player over 41. And he's a, he's a freak on squat max. You know, when, when you come up with a new device, you need you need. He's a fitness fanatic. You need to know that other people think your device is as good as you think it is, sure. right? So you, you want to get it to certain people. So Raul was tailor made for me. He actually made the Yankees buy one, and he would do it under the dugout in between innings when he was when he was DHing because with the bands on it, he felt that it activated his whole body. You know, he, he felt he felt totally alive. So he do like five or six fast reps, and then and then go to the bat. You know, go get ready to hit as a DH. So this was great for me because it gave me confidence that this device actually can is as good as I think it is. You know, I felt great. My my back. True story. I would have um, annual rhizotomies where they would deaden the nerves. My my back never went away. I, I get I had them for nine ten years. Um, when I developed squat max, I haven't had an annual rhizotomy in about five years. It does, it has done something magical for me, but th there's a story I'm not going to beat you with. 
Well, I had injured my spinal cord, spinal cord after playing football. About 10 years, 12 years um, after playing football, I was in the pharmaceutical industry. So my back, my back, as we said earlier, was always going to haunt me. But, but getting back to the gym, and that's been the catalyst why I created these devices, um, which we're going to get into more. But Squad Max was my first thing, right? Because remember I told you, I could jump 37 inches when I was able to have a free weight squat movement, but when I was confined to the leg press and, and different things. So I'm like, how can I create something where my, my daughter can go max effort, uh, free weight, free weight squat and not have a rate limiting factor, especially for a female athlete, be her, you know, her, her, her core, her sure. So, yeah. So, and so that's where squat max was born two years, a year or two into the gym. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a new gym owner, which we can get into. I, like I said, I love reading. I, 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 we just discovered each other, but all the, all the mistakes I made in my gym, that that's another story that I'll stay with the devices. But so now I left the gym. I just wanted to train athletes, but now I'm trying to find fabricators. I, I, I somehow I begin to morph into a, a strength equipment company, but that was the only reason I got there. Wasn't I said let, I didn't create Squamax because I thought I'd be trying to make a million dollars off of it. Sure, I was trying to solve just like everything. I'm trying to solve a problem in my gym and 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 have the you know have something that can serve a purpose. And for everyone listening, again, if you've never, so most of the people listening here, you know, they're they're doing barbell back squats, barbell front squats, dumbbell goblet squats, kettlebell goblet squats, and that's pretty much the squatting profile for their their program. Whatever, whether they're CrossFit or a, a mom and pop strength and conditioning facility, some kind of barbell based group fitness model, whatever it may be. And if anyone who's never messed with a bell squat, we're essentially just talking about instead of loading the top of your spine with the barbell sitting on your upper traps or, you know, which, you know, a little bit more posterior, depending on how knees forward you get or loading the anterior with the barbell in the front rack position, whether you do it like an Olympic weightlifter or you crisscross the hands like a bodybuilder because they don't have the range of motion, regardless of that you're always limited by this upper back. I mean, even you get into T-spine mobility and all this other stuff, your ability to support the structure, the barbell, the load up top. A belt squat, for everyone who's not familiar, essentially we have a belt that goes around the hips and there is the there is a, a mechanic of a machine and there's different brands, right? The Rogue Rhino, um, fucking Arsenal Strength has one. There's a bunch of different brands out there. And now it's going to pull down. And the thing about yours that I was instantly drawn to, because I had been fucking around with belt squats since I really kind of got out of CrossFit, I would, you know, I owned a CrossFit affiliate for years. And then I completely walked away from that, that, that particular brand of training and kind of came up with my own. That was really more based around creating as much time under tension as possible in the sessions. CrossFit was a screen door in a hurricane, right? As fast as fucking possible. I wanted higher time under tension and more tempo work. The belt squat allowed me to do that because I couldn't get in more than two really heavy back squat sessions or front squat sessions a week where I, where I could accumulate time under tension because you know, my midline, right? Like there are certain things, there's certain fatiguing factors. So my lower body wasn't even getting the workout. I would get done and my thoracic is exhausted, right? My fucking, my shoulders and my anterior, like just from keeping that barbell in the front rack, if I was doing front squats, there were these other limiting factors. So I start fucking around with belt squats and then I eventually find yours and yours was the first one that pulls directly down. 
And I literally, so we're recording this podcast on the 30th of September. Yesterday in the 29th, your squat max gets delivered to QC Fit. And props to those guys. The ownership over there is absolutely wonderful. I was like, hey, I'm buying one of these pieces of equipment. I'm going to put it in my garage Unless you unless you want me to bring it over here, and I don't care, other people can use it too. But um, and they're like a hundred percent. They just let me kind of put it in their gym, and you know they they've been amazing about it. But I get on that thing yesterday, Bri, and I mean the amount it felt like traction. I've had traction done to my lower back, and that's if anyone's never done that. You ever see like the goofy setups where your ankle, you know, you clip your ankles to like a pull up bar, and you guys hang upside down, or if anyone's ever gone to a chiropractor or physical therapist had traction done on their spine, where essentially just taking and releasing all that stress in between the discs and pulling that's what your squat max felt like my lower back felt amazing after very similar to people who like to do the reverse hyper louis simmons reverse hyper is well known dr stuart mcgill and everyone has has done tons of studies on how good this is for your lower back the squat max in my opinion is just as good if not better you're making my day that that again I, I was always, my low back would always be guarded. Like sometimes when I would try to go get traction, you know, I'd end up with spasm, but because you're, because on squat max, because it's not anchored to a fixed point, your body actually relaxes, which I could never do. So yeah, that, that's why I think I've had such luck with not needing rhizotomies anymore. Like I, I, I started to feel so good. You know, I have a hip replacement. I've had six knee surgeries. I still started to get in trouble because I started feeling good and, you know, jumping up, trying to grab rims and, and doing stuff that I probably shouldn't do anymore. Cause that, that's what, that's what Raul Abanez would say. He felt like um, he had air in his tires after using it. Yeah. Uh, and, and even on the Mark Bell podcast and, and SEMA said that, you know, after using it with doing it faster bands, he feels like jumping out of the building. That's yep. because it's that vertical line of drive. You can, you, you can go up as fast as you can because there's, it's a vertical line of yeah. drive, right? There's no, there's no horizontal, even a little bit of horizontal for me, any little shear, it was shear that got me more than, than, than compression a I lot agree. of times. So, but get the, the, getting back to this thing, you know, I, it was, it was part, I, I designed a prototype the first year or two into the gym and I, I, I knew there, the only thing that I saw out there, Louie had had a, a cable but because I, you and I had spoke, I was I'm so against machines because it, they don't work the stabilizers and different things. So going back to my story as, as a clinical researcher, and and I tell people I have a lot of Catholic guilt as well. That makes a lot of decisions. Any piece of equipment that I design, especially my own daughter, was probably part of the catalyst why I created this. I needed to know that it actually behaved like a squat. So that's the big thing with squat max. Here I am, a new gym owner. I'm two years into it, and I'm sending letters to all these universities that do research, that do exercise re- research studies, because I want them to compare it head to head against a barbell in an independent EMG study. I need to know it worked the glute medius, it worked the, the stabilizers, the, the the glute max, because there's so many ACL tears in female athletes. If they, if you're using a, a something for squats and it's not working your glute your glute med and glute max, then I'm going to be pissed off if one of my athletes has yeah. a non has a non-contact injury and I'm putting her on this thing because I think it's better. So long story short, somehow Widener University School of Physical Therapy, which is outside Philly, they did a research study on squat max probably year three. And I was so pumped because 
it was a pristine study. Like they 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 did your eighty percent max rep on the barbell, and they did your eighty percent max on squat max. So this was apples to apples, and it was there was no there was no difference in in, in the muscle activity, because five six years later they finally started doing research studies on lever arms. The pit shark was the first. It was done yeah, by pit shark. That was the other one. Yeah, a college a college did a, a AMG study on a pit shark about five six years ago. I did mine 10 years ago, but where I'm going with this is it showed that it didn't work the glute max or glute me. There was like statistically significant, you know, 50, 60% less activity. So between you and I, if my squat max had shown that, I would have, it would have been game over, move on. But th there's thousands of lever arms people are using because they sure. think it's similar to the squat. Anyway, so long story short, I had some good luck. Raul Banez has it with the Yankees, but my marketing sucked, right? I had research study and did all this stuff. I thought people would just show, show up, and, right? And That's right. Me. Just like guys who open a gym. We just think we're just going to open the gym and yeah, people are just going to fucking show up. Yeah, I'm a stupid ass marketer, but um, <laughs> I, I can look back on it. I remember Garage Gym Reviews found it in like, this is right, 2000. 14, 15. I'm like, I'm not sending that motherfucker machine. This thing cost me a thousand. I'm making these in Pennsylvania. This thing cost me twelve hundred to make. I can't. Well so worth the ROI. He did a great review. I watched it. It's a great review. Well, I, that's Garage Gym Labs. Oh, we, Labs. Okay, my bad. Yeah. yeah. Re review. He he. Uh, he's a little biased with Rogue. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that. We don't even need to get into that one. But long story short, if I had gotten this out to opinion leaders, and that's a funny story. I didn't even tell you this one. Besides the research study in, um, you know, the, the EMG study, I also sent one to Stu McGill. This oh, yeah. is 2013. You know, I had to get it to Canada, you know, getting it to customs, blah, blah, blah. Because I wanted the world-renowned back guy because I knew it was helping me feel good. But let's have a neutral party. He's like, yeah. He's like, dude, this is the best thing I've ever seen for your low back. It pulls straight down on the hips instead of in on the back. Like he saw the lever arms. He's like, they're fucking pieces of shit. He didn't yeah. say it that way. He said it like a gentleman. But I'm sure. like, yeah. I have all this confidence. I'm like, man, I got the biomechanics guy. You know, in, in where I come from in pharmaceutical industry, I have a block, which should be a blockbuster belt spot because it actually tracks things out the back. It's supported by the top biomechanics guy. EMG wise, it's just like, it's just like a squat. And, you know, it's now even more. I've come up with this transformer pin that let, you got to get a chance to play with that when you get time. I literally, I, I just, I just ordered it this morning. I just well, ordered I, it. I sent you one. I, I, I got off the refund you. It's, oh, no, don't worry about it. No, it was, it's all good. So everyone listening, the transformer pin again, this is how intricate. So like I'm putting this thing together, by the way, Brian. I, I don't hang sh like I'm the least handyman in the fucking world. Like my man card, as far as putting shit together I'm right behind you, I'm it's right the fucking you. worst. And this was so simple. And I like, I was, my girlfriend was like, you're going to put this thing together and then you're going to go squat a bunch of weight on it. I'm like, well, I got to put it together first. And then I don't want anyone in this gym that I go to, to use it after I put it together and I fuck something up. So it was so simple to put together that even I could do it. And like, that's that if you could, that's a marketing piece in and of itself. It was well, super I'm a small, simple. I'm a small gym owner. So I get it. I I, I would get this shit that we had like 95 pieces <laughs> and I, I, you know, I got kids coming in an hour. I'm like ready to freaking throw something through a window. hundred percent. I, I don't have the patience time. But the and thing is, like, I was so yeah. impressed. Cause like, again, you can tell you built this thing very much like the gym owner athlete in you 
has this one like, okay, I want them to be able to squat heavy and often with low risk of injury. Then the engineer, like the science guy, bio guy behind you has got all these, I mean, you've thought, I mean, you thought of everything in there, like even that transformer pin. So essentially what the transformer pin is. So this, the central column, and you're listening to this on the podcast um, and you got to just Google, just go check out the reviews and stuff on Google. So you can get a visual of what me and Brian are talking about, but it's just this pin that when it's on one side closer to you, it allows you to get more, very I used to be a low bar back squat, low bar back squat, like Ripito. I bled Mark Ripito's low bar back squat, right? So back in the day, you know, I would be sitting back as far as I can, you know, like Dave Tate and all those guys. And that's what the, the transform pin facing one direction allows. But then I flipped the transformer pin and now I can get this far more anterior base squat, which, you know, for the CrossFitters out there who want that Olympic squat, they want to be able to stack that barbell over top of them in an overhead squat or a snatch or, or whatever it may be. It allows you to have best of both worlds. And I currently, the, I, the, I would go to gyms to use belt squats, but the only thing I could find that I could own quote unquote before your machine. And I got to give it off to him. It, it's a clever, it's a clever attachment. It's, it's inferior to what you've made, but it's a company called revolt and they made it a lever arm attachment. that just attached to any rig rogue, any brand. And so that's what I've had. I've had this lever arm that attaches to the bottom of the rig. And then I got to take two 45s put them next to each other, place a 45 pound plate and do that for each foot, right? So I've got now four 45 pound dumbbells out, a 45 pound plate on each one. And I've created my platform now so I can get deep enough in the squat. And it just, it was a pain in the ass. I give them all the props in the world for a, you know, a hundred dollar piece or whatever the fuck it cost me. It's a great solution for someone who wants a belt squat and they don't have a squat max or whatever it is. But then I get into your machine yesterday I mean, and my workouts are long. I mean, I, they're 90 minutes to two hours. I'm running a 5k I'm coming in, I'm doing about 40 minutes of, you know, resistance training. I'm running another 5k and I, I came in yesterday and I was just fucking glowing after that workout. I was like, that was the best squatting workout I've had in fucking, I don't even know when. Well, you, you just, you just made an old fool's day. I've, <laughs> It's a great piece, but I want to, here's the thing is you are the, okay. So the squat max is obviously that came from your experience in your, your own personal injury. Like most good product designs are the inventor had a problem was trying to find a solution for it. And you open a gym and you're trying to find something that not only your daughter could use, but any of your athletes could come in and what it's going to do for me. And I know the CrossFitters that I go to this gym are going to see this. I will be able to squat now more often, heavier loads, medium loads, lighter loads, whatever. Because I'm not going to have as much shear in my lower, like I'm not going to have the soreness pain factor that you're typically going to have in the injury risk. And I'm, th I'll be 37 this year, you know, then, and some of these younger kids, they back squat twice a week and they're like, man, my lower back is fucking killing me. This is killing me that, um, I, you know, I, I can totally see the gym I go to now, I'm like, fuck, we need to, we need to get a few of these, but the Henny attachment was the other one. That's the first product of yours I purchased. And I've always believed that, you know, again, I found CrossFit in 06. And that was like, a, I was like, it was like a hot stock tip. Like nobody knew about it. And I went all in and I, I grew a really successful CrossFit gym. But in 2014, I became completely disenfranchised with a lot of the shit that CrossFit gyms teach. Like, I don't like the idea that horizontal and vertical were the only planes of motion that we were pressing when in real life, there is nothing functional about pressing a barbell directly over top of your head, except that it shows you have proper range of motion of the shoulder. But beyond that, if I'm helping my mom get something off the shelf, it's a diagonal 
range of motion. If I'm getting the my suitcase out of the fucking overhead bin, that's diagonal. Everything is in this diagonal plane. So I was always a big fan of landmines. And then I see the Henny attachment. I'm like, oh, this is it, man. I can now go and I can play in all kinds of different fun ranges with this Henny attachment. Walk me through, was it a problem you had? Yeah, you, talk yeah, to me about it. I, I love listening to you. It's, it's funny. We all kind of, even when I was talking to Mark Bell and different guys, we all start in, in certain places and we all, the guys that really love it end up in, in similar the same place, you know, yeah, yeah. with my back problems, I, I, you know, obviously when I was 18, 19 years old, I know when I look back at my career, I'm like, what did I do different? Like I used to shovel snow and I never understood why my low back felt better because I was getting the rotational component. Uh, you know, you know, most people talk about hurting their back, but you know, I, so yeah, when I, when I looked in the equation, when I stopped roofing, you know, I, I'd always be, you know, working those different planes of motion and, and loading up, you know, one side. So all of those things, when I had good years, I wasn't just being a sucker, just, you know, I wanted to do 225 for 40 reps or whatever. I spent so much time in one plane and, and, and I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't um, duplicate what I was doing because I stopped doing some of the, the stuff as a roofer. Uh, yeah. So when, when I, th that's where the Henny was partially driven because of my hatred for we talked about machines because they're not omnidirectional. Yeah. If, if you ever get a chance to put, I, I when I, I had a, a great chance to to work out with Juji Mufu who I, who recently I mean, got he's a, he, he used to be out of like the Charlotte the North Carolina area. I don't yeah, know yeah, if he yeah, still yeah. is. I, okay. Yeah, I was recently down there, and I said, "You you want to know what it's like to pick up an, a linebacker in the NFL?" You you put you get the Henny attachment, you know, with a, about chest height. You put fifty five pounds on one only on one side. You got to try this, and 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 walk out. Put it's a split stance. You want you want that offset load to be on if, if your right legs first. Yeah. You want that offset load on the right. Okay. That it will internal rotation. The adductors that that posterior sling system. There's nothing that I've ever done. It was like Bill, Bill Romanowski, 280-pound asshole, you know, trying to pick him up. He used to crush my, my low back sometimes because people think you're bench pressing. Well, unfortunately, what you're trying to hit is moving. Yeah, I never thought the bench hit. press was the worst fit, like the worst strength test at the NFL at the combine. I never It never made sense to me at all. It didn't trans. It doesn't translate because no. – um, but yeah, this Henny, this offset load, I had Juju Mufu do it. You know, amazing athlete. That, that's a world-class athlete. It was even kicking his butt a little bit. But that's that that's as close as you can. Again, being able to work through, even that interior sling system, you got to try this one. But yeah, originally the Henny partially was driven because I wanted horizontally directed force. Mm -hmm. Like, I, my whole thing is getting kids faster. So there's certain setups that where they're actually in that 45 degree body lean yep. the shin angles a certain way. I can set that up perfectly with, with, with the Henny that you couldn't do with a jammer arm because a jammer arm doesn't, first of all, jammer arm, not as omnidirectional. It, it, anything that's fixed. And, 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 you know, a lot of people would argue with me if all you do is fixed movements, you, just like you're saying, you're, you're not creating athletic strength. It, it's not going to translate whether, whether that, that's quality of life, you know, I had an 80-year-old client in my gym that loves the Henny attachment 
because he 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 can he's working around a lot of arthritic and a lot of arthritic issues in his shoulder and everywhere else. It doesn't pinch him because of that omnidirectional movement. But so I have him standing up doing a functional press. Otherwise, he'd be sitting on a machine on his butt. So now he's getting you know this total body stability. You know, an older person if they fall and break their hip, they, they may not come back from it. So the Henny, which was originally designed for athletes, horizontally directed force. I start using it with all my clients. I'm like, this is too simple. But, you know, people look at it and say, oh, it's two straps. Well, believe me, there's much more thought process. Like even I have a foot plate for glute kickbacks. Oh, yeah, the foot plate's great. I, and I saw your setup. So um, if anyone's never done – I'll give it to the guys over at Arsenal Strength. I, they've got a pendulum squat machine that I really like. I've done their their pendulum squat machine I thought was really cool only because I've never squatted at that angle. But then I've see, I see how, oh, I can create a, a pendulum squat with the Henny attachment. And when people first see people do a pendulum-based squat with your Henny attachment, they're like – no fucking way those straps are strong enough. And, and, but you know, you get into it and after, you know, even me the first time and I'm, I'm fully trusting, I'm like, oh, these are totally strong enough. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is kind of scary. But I went and, um, I, uh, can you hear me still? Did I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. I went and, uh, I, I, I saw your video yesterday. I think it was where you, you went and took the barbell and put it up against the rack. Cause I was having a hard time. Cause I've got a, I've got a, a, a freestanding rig at the gym I go to. So I don't have anything up against the wall. I've got open space. I've had nothing to put my feet on. So I was loading hundred pound plates behind a slant board. And I was like, Oh God, this is getting into that sketch area. But I saw your barbell, that little hack that you did yesterday with two foot plates on it. I was like, genius. I fucking love the way this guy's brain thinks. Yeah. Well, again, I think if we're summarizing, we're all created by our experiences, the success you've created in your gym and, and so many things. But for me, it's always been the the overachieving athlete that I couldn't rely on just doing what everybody else did. You know, I had to have some, some ingenuity. Yeah. And, 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 and what really helped me having the chance to be involved in research and knowing that if you knew how many compounds come across, you're like, this is going to save the world. And then you actually test it. It's garbage because it doesn't, it doesn't work like, and that's always been a big thing for me. I think of all the times I wasted on certain machines and I'm like, if I had done a single leg step up or, you know, so that's kind of how my, my, my program at Overachieve, the gym, Overachieve Sports and Speed, it, 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 all my, all my workouts are online too. Like I'll, I'll have, I don't try to hide this. Like you can, I'm, I'm a terrible marketer as we've already uh, figured out here, but like, you'll see some of my programs it's a combination of so many different disciplines. Like so many people, oh, I was a power lifter. That's the only thing they think I was a CrossFitter. It, when you can bring the different musical notes from different disciplines, and that's kind of what, what we talked about, even which I alluded to earlier. When I first came back to, remember, I left the fitness field for 16 years. I was locked in, in doing clinical research. So I was never biased by Instagram and certain things. Where I got to was, taking the time of years, throwing things in the equation and testing them out. I think it's hard in fitness. Now, if you're getting into fitness now, there's so many gurus out there. There's so much noise. You think everything works, but probably 90% of it doesn't work. 
Uh, I agree. And, and if I'm a gym owner and I'm looking at this, like, okay, so let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they go and they start checking things out again. Uh, you and we were talking about this before I hit record. So many of the gym owners I work with are constantly trying to get an edge. It, like everything kind of looks the same. You have the boutique franchise space, like an orange theory or a Barry's camp, And it's, you know, it's colored lights and treadmills and dumbbells and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. And then all the CrossFit gyms again, I, you know, I, I think CrossFit's done so much for the world of fitness and strength and conditioning and all that. But again, it's a very similar. There's the barbells, the dumbbells, the kettlebells, pull up break, rinse and repeat, and you know, concept two ergs. And then I've always got gym owners like, man, like there's so much more that we don't do in traditional group funk group functional fitness. And it, but like again, I'll use like have you ever seen the guys over at Landmine University? Um, and like the stuff that they're coming up with and even the Henny, I was, you know, at gym owner right now, I'm like, if I owned a gym again and I wanted to create a unique, what I call UBF, a unique belief in fitness, something that is not currently being done. People might look at and say, that's stupid. When someone says that, that's when I'm like, boom, I'm fucking on to something. I want 51% of people to be like, that's interesting. And I want 49% of people to be like, you're a fucking idiot. And then that's when I know I'm in a good spot. Okay. But I would have. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. I'm writing that down. 51% of people should think you're a, or should be like, okay, I'm intrigued. Like I'm not sold yet, but I'm intrigued by what you have to say. And 49% should say you're a fucking idiot. And, and that's the perk. Cause if everyone says, oh, that's a great idea. I guarantee you it's already done. It's already being done at scale. And now if everyone tells you, you're a fucking idiot. It still might be a good idea. Possibly. It might still be a good idea, but I, I would run. I told this guy right now. I'm like, I would have a gym. I would have for a group fitness class. I would be doing, I'd have the Henny strap at every station. I'd have a landmine at every station. I mean, I would be incorporating these ranges of motion and these diagonal plane movements that you, that are so versatile between a landmine and a Henny. I mean, you're, you're not running out of exercises anytime soon. It's, and I like, literally I was going to do a screen share. I started following guys. And I mean, everything you, I watched with your Henny strap that you guys, you know, share exercises on where I were, you know, mainly all the, the lifting motions. And then I started following some calisthenic guys that were doing what you did. And like, I went and played with it kind of just like, I'm sh- like showing this video to Brian, just essentially doing these pushups, but pressing out with the Henny and having to hold those positions. So I was like, oh my God, even the calisthenic guys can fuck around and get into the Henny and it, it has application in that world, not just the barbell for a lifting purpose type world. So I'm dude, I love this product between the two of those, man. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm set. I like, I, I get so excited walking into the gym. It's like, cool. What kind of combinations am I going to throw together now? I, I, you made, you made, you made my whole year. I appreciate well, talk, all your Let me ask you, like, I'm like, when you think of your customer base, I'm always curious from a business perspective. I'm like, okay, so are these home gym guys? Cause there's a lot of great YouTube reviews on your product. Like one thing you're not going to find is a shitty review on this product on YouTube. And YouTube is the open, you know, the democratization of what's shit and what's good, right? Anyone can make a review on it and, and post it up. And it's nothing but quality, good reviews of, of the squat max and the Henny. Do you have you seen? I mean, besides, I know you're in. You know, you've got professional sports teams, collegiate teams messing around with your products at the 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 commercial grade, like the 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 boutique fitness side, gym owner side, stuff like that. Have you seen people bringing these into group fitness facilities, or mainly just home gyms and like private, semi private training, like sports performance facilities? You know, again, now now I'm getting scared because now you're you're unpeeling. How how bad my business acumen is, how my marketing plan still isn't functioning. Um, 
the, the Henny, the Henny for sure, you know, more and more like small boutique gyms, like it's a no brainer. Like I look at my old boot camps that I, when I first opened up my gym, you know, try and have that middle ground, be, you know, half of these women that sit all day, they're not doing a, this is, that's why, you know, CrossFit, this is a nice middle ground because I can do an overhead press with those straps yeah. and actually ha have kind of like, uh, like a bicycle with, with training wheels they, they, where they can get, to, like you're saying, you know, if, 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 med if movement is medicine, you know, having the right prescription of movement, yep. like they, they, there's a huge, there's a huge, huge middle spot that wasn't, you know, be, between machines and going straight to barbells overhead. The Henny now solves that because I can even, even overhead press, I can have a person, a, you know, middle-aged woman walk the barbell out, to where she versus get to trying, it. To, yeah. trying to clean it. Yeah. So it, it's, I made a lot of mistakes. The, the Henny I'm, I'm trying to get much more, get it out to opinion leaders and, and, and get enough where, where I'm struggling is my marketing budget, like social media. And we can maybe talk more offline. I thought if I just, there's, there's so much stuff on social media now, some of it's junk, some of it's good. Like I just can't, Social media seems so saturated that I'm not sure that's is, the way I'm going to bring the handy. For you and anyone in the product space, when I speak with them, so uh, there's a product uh, I had the I've had met with the founder several times. It's called Anchor. It's essentially just a, a modular uh, cable system, and it's great. I've got two of them, and I use it. I hook them up at you know the you know, the six foot spread of a squat rack at the gym I go to, and I can do fly. I can do all kinds of crazy fun shit with it. Um, you know, uh, the slant board guy, you know, with his slant board and, and things like that. Um, the home gym guys with their, you know, their, the tip bar, you know, which is not a new thing. It's just something that finally got repopularized with like the likes of Ben Patrick and they've got their Nordic curl and all this other shit that attaches to the rig. There's so many new products that popped because of COVID and because of people's desire to create a home gym. And with that, I think a lot of people are seeing all these advertisements for an at-home fitness thing. But when you get back to it, like ultimately, like if I was opening up a commercial grade gym today, I'm looking, and again, commercial, real, and I, I'm, in, I'm in the commercial real estate space. It is stupid fucking expensive, coast to coast. I don't care what market you're in right now. And I was like looking at equipment to put in these gyms. I'm not looking at big ass treadmills anymore. I'm looking at concept two products. Right, things that have small footprints and fold up, they don't take up a lot of square footage. I'm not looking at giant fucking, you know, uh, leg press machines and fucking necessarily a ton of squat racks. I'm looking at the footprint of a fucking squat max. And that was one of the selling points when I was telling the gym owner that I go to the gym I go to now. I was like, bro, here's the footprint. This is how big it is. It's not going to take up that much space. He's like, yeah, you're perfect. No big deal. I got I got space right over there. It's um the it's what we call operational capacity. It's the idea of. How much equipment and people can I fit into this space? Because I'm always going to be limited by square footage, right? Your pro the member processing, whatever you use to charge your customers at your gym, you could charge 1 million credit cards a month if you wanted to. There's not, that's not the limit. You couldn't service a million fucking people a month. Like we're limited by how many people you can fit in the space at a time. And then how many times classes, sessions, you could have in a fucking day while still having enough time to see your family, take a shit, get your own workout in and do all the other things that business requires. So gyms are going to, how can I service more people at once in a smaller square footage footprint? And the Henny, because when it's not being used, they just hang there. They take up no fucking space. It's beautiful. Like I'm an operational capacity nerd. 
right? I go and I, I'll, I'll work with gym owners and I, I own a real estate company and we go and look to lease or buy a building and we're mapping out on the floor how much money we could generate on that square footage of a floor. But they're like, well, I want to get six uh, GHDs. I'm like, yeah, you just ate up $7,000 of fucking potential profit off that floor because seven GHDs takes up this amount of square footage and only seven fucking people can use it. For the same square footage, what could many people use? And um, But yeah, that's the other reason. Like The nerd in me loves your shit is because I look at it from a business perspective. I'm like, cost-wise, extremely affordable, extremely fucking affordable. Number two, uh, space-wise, doesn't cost me anything space-wise. Like I can, I can totally see it's not, I'm not going to have to, Oh fuck, where am I going to put it? That's going to eat up a lot of space. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome, man. I'm really, I'm excited. And I think more gyms, I, the, the garage gym guys, I think are going to be your, like a big go-to because garage gym guys get bored easily. They want to, they always want to get some new thing. You know, it's a hobby. They want to add a new thing to their collection. I think for the commercial, the guys that own, own gyms like you do. And like I used to especially in the group fitness space, they'll start looking at things like the Henny attachment and things like that and start seeing the opportunities to create a different fitness product on the floor so that when people walk in, and this is because this is what this is the big thing. Like, uh, So now you walk into any gym. Don't even look at the sign out front, Brian, but you walk into a gym and people are doing push presses and um, pull-ups and rowing and jumping on a box. And you're like, oh, this is something like CrossFit. Right. You've already you've already like predetermined it's something like that. Well, there's all these gyms that don't want to get looped into what fucking CrossFit is. They're like, I don't want people to walk into my goddamn gym and think I'm a CrossFit. I'm like, then you got to do some shit that they're not fucking doing. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're pumping me up like that. <laughs> and, and again, because I'm a small everything comes back to our experience, a small gym owner. Like I look back, you know, I've had we've had three or four, actually five guys. They're now playing pro baseball player come through became pro baseball players come through the gym. But I'm like, when I first opened up and I had my four squat racks, I would have bought four. If, if I would have sold a Henny, I would have bought four of them as quick as I could possibly do because it does so much and it, it doesn't eat up any square footage. Yeah. It, you know, it, yeah, it's like a no brain, like big, all these big steel monsters of equipment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, t- I joke around people. Like I walk in the CrossFit gyms that still have these giant nineties. And I had one at, at my gym. I did 96 foot long CrossFit rig, like a pull-up rig. And I look at it now and it reminds me of my mom's cell phone, this giant Nokia cell phone she had in like 91. And I'm like, and when are we going to get smarter with the waste of material, the waste of space, when we're all, you know, right now, especially the cost of steel and all that, you know, you obviously understand the restrictions of supply chain and shit like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I believe the fitness industry is going to, you know, going to have a real weight, going to have a, let's uh, not, not a renaissance necessarily, but in the product line, things have to get tighter. I'm even, and again, I'll be interested to get your opinion on this for group fitness, the average person having a seven foot barbell is fucking silly. It's fucking silly. What regular human is going 405 and maxing out the collars? Uh, so like at my, at my gym, we never we didn't have those. I went down to a five-foot barbell, and you could load it up to about like, – I think it came out to like 275, maybe 295 is the most you could put on a bar. That's plenty for the average motherfucker just trying to look good naked and stay fit in a group fitness. And it was a five-foot barbell. And people are like, well, it's not that big of a deal. That's two feet. Motherfucker, I'm running 25 people per class. If I save two feet per spot that they take up, that's actually a big deal in a, from a financial model perspective. 
I, I could listen to you all day. You, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely playing. Uh, you're playing chess, and I'm I, my gym. My gym life has been checkers. Uh, for, fortunately, the training was good. I can't say it was a, a fi financial success, but you're I, I, you, you're where you're like you're kings of Prussia, right? In PA, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm like I'm yeah. a Cleveland I'm a Cleveland guy originally, right? So, um, but I got clients in PA. I was actually just up there. Um, there's a great apparel company that I I fuck with. That I love. It's called Fuel Hunt, and uh, yeah, they're based. I found them through you. I, oh, okay, I, I yeah, yeah. Them. So yeah, I, I, those those guys are great. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are awesome. And so I, uh, I'll be getting up into the Philly area, yeah. and and Pitt, I'll be going up to Pittsburgh for work. I got to make sure to to hit you up and come by, and, and we'll I, hang I'd out. Love, we'll I'd, I'd love to have a play a play date would be. Would yeah, be that would be dope. Yeah. Brian, listen, man, I I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm so oh, I, again, I can't do products, and I'm so impressed by guys who can. Um, and uh, we'll talk more offline. But anything I can do to help create introductions and get this awesome product in the eyeballs of other people out there that are thought leaders that that might be in my network and whatever, you, I'm at your disposal. I think this is such a cool fucking thing. I'm a, such a big fan of it. And um, yeah, man, I I just appreciate you coming on the show today and talking shop. This has been an absolute an absolute pleasure you my brother thank thank you absolutely so for everyone who wants to go check out the products all that where what's the best place for them to go um the the, the first one the henny it's it, it's the henny.com uh t-a-t-h-e-n-n-y.com i figured if, if maybe if they're searching for alcohol they'll find the henny.com <laughs> some cavassier yeah, um, yeah. yeah but uh and the squat max is uh squat max md and there's a there's a uh, there's between Squamax there's a hyphen yeah. Squamax hyphen MD dot com. And I'll I'll put the links and all that down in the show notes. But uh, you guys, and did, did, did you get a chance? How about the belt? The belt was that the most comfortable belt you've the ever? The belt had? is phenomenal. And so, and I'm a spudding like I'm a spudding brand loyal guy. Too. I yeah. love spudding stuff and I've got there, whatever, but I, I tested it yesterday too. I, I took yours on and I put it on yours has so much more versatility and size. Like I like oh, it high. I like it as close to my hips as possible. Well, and Mark, I got Mark selling, selling my, my belt is on he? his website as well. Yeah. Rogue borrowed my idea. Of course it, they it, did. Yeah. They it, fucking it, borrow it, everybody's it, idea. Yeah, it's in my patent, but that, that's another story. Yeah. yeah he, you know, that's my thrill. Cause Spud, Spud's one of my heroes that the guy can stay around and do what he's done. But yeah, he's I, I agree. But, but the belt, because Squamax is a free weight with those bands. Like when I first got into it, you know, especially these small frame high school girls that, you know, getting welts. So th this pad is, it took me four years to develop this, this belt and, and stitch it a certain way that, 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 you know, you can, you can, you don't get any, you don't get I, any. So I was texting with Marcus Philly and I was like, Hey man, we were talking about belt squats. And, um, and he was like, man, I just, I, I stopped doing them cause they just made my fucking hips feel like trash. Yeah, yeah. And I've used shitty belts on a belt squat before. And I'm like, I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. And the spud ink one wasn't bad at all. This one is insanely comfortable i even i so i took it from the squat max and then i was using it on my sled drags backwards and awesome. forwards and shit too because i'm like this thing just feels so goddamn good awesome. um bright dude listen i know you don't give your you know you uh you're very humble and you uh you know uh bad you know i'm a business you know i got lucky i don't know a lot about the business side you've designed some great products and that's the core of it right like you have to yeah. actually have a good fucking product you dial in the marketing and the operations and stuff like that 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 part's that part's easy, but without the good product, none of that fucking matters. So um, you've done the hard work, man. And I've got you, yeah, I've got I've got I've got good I've got good feelings that the things are going to keep going up for you, man. And uh, just keep inventing, keep coming up with badass ideas, and don't don't ever get satisfied because I think you still got a couple other fucking bangers in that brain of yours. All right, brother. Thanks, All right, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks.